Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, very fortunate to have him here. Um, he's used to uh, being on the airwaves, but now he's on camera. Uh, we've got uh, the music director for 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, Justin Barney, Hi. here to join us. Uh, Justin, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, I love um, being able to be on this side. <laughs> I'm usually doing the interview, so it's a very, it's a treat for me to oh, good, good, yeah. do the other thing. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I, no, I, 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 I kind of like interviewing other interviewers because so it's like a, it's sort of like a, like a soul bond of things where it's like you totally, you know, understand like the challenges and the, like the, the inhibitions and everything that go mm. into like asking people certain questions and like going in, going into an interview with like all this like nervosity and shit. But um, well, to start, how was your day today? Today was good. It's been like we released this podcast on Monday called Backspin, the search for Milwaukee's first hip hop song, and I it felt like for the past. Um, six months it's just been it's been very busy so mm -hmm. i thought that this week was gonna kind of like mellow out but uh it's it's just it's been busy yeah what uh what exactly is the podcast the podcast is the search for milwaukee's first hip-hop song so like four years ago i had a conversation with andy noble who's like a record store dude he owned lotus land records in uh, in River West, and he owns We Buy Records. Oh River sure, West. yeah. And um, and uh, I was I forgot what I was meeting him for. It, it but we were just talking about stuff, and he said we were just like talking about stories, and he said that this band had uh, in the early '80s they recorded what came to be Milwaukee's first hip hop song. Okay. And uh, uh, I was just like. Well, that the, the idea just like churned in my mind of being like the first hip hop song. What is that? What is this band? What's going on here? And so yeah. then we did the whole. It's been the past six months figuring out. Awesome. So uh, how how uh, frequent will it be? It's uh, it's all out. It's six oh. episodes. Oh, okay. That is is out. Sure. Great. Well, I'll be posting a link to that. Yeah. Um, so uh, what we talk about a mystery nice guy. We talk all things love, fear, inspiration, motivation, just uh, everything that kind of uh, really, um, you know, pushes you to uh, do what you do. Um, you know, you obviously, uh, as you said before, um, you interview a lot of people. You uh, you have a pretty, you know, high tier job when it comes to uh, music in the city. Um, I, we actually, last summer, almost a year ago now, uh, I remember like after I graduated, I was like super like lost and aimless with trying to like figure out the next step because I graduated last May and was like, how, how, what steps can I take to find out what's next? Yeah. And we, we sat and talked as I came to you for advice and you gave me like a big, um, you know, backstory on yourself and sort of like your own journey with like your own experience and everything. Um, so I guess, uh, uh I kind of want to revisit that and talk about like, um, you know, when you were like in school, uh, in, at Madison, 
um, and then how that eventually led you on to working with 88.9. I guess, like, give me the, uh, the timeline of how you eventually ended up to where you are today. Sure. So I went to school in Madison, and I was, I graduated with degrees in, I went there for five years. Sure. And I didn't know what I was going to do or what I was doing. And so I, I got degrees in history and political science and integrated liberal studies. Interesting. And uh, I can see that you're using them. <laughs> Day I, I am though. Yeah. Like that's the thing is like I use like we just did Milwaukee's first hip hop song. Mm -hmm. That was history. Yeah. You know that like that was using my history degree to its fullest. And I remember being in school and then being like, you know, you could do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And uh, it's like my degrees in, in the, like the liberal arts is based, it's like it, the liberal arts like teach you how to think, like how mm -hmm. to connect concepts sure. and ideas. And so it's like, I, I am a historian, mm -hmm. you know, like I graduated a degree in history and I just released a six episode podcast about the history of Milwaukee's first hip hop song. So I, I stand corrected. You are. It, it, yeah. it is like, it's, it, it's like, it's, but it's like, but when I was in it, you don't see that that's, that that's the option, that that's yeah. how I put this degree to work. Yeah. You just think like, if you're, if you graduate with a degree in history, you must be historian. Yeah. Like you're an academic, like right. a teacher of history yeah. is the only thing that that applies to, even though it applies to a lot of other things, it's hard to like get that across or figure out what that is. And there's really no like pathway into doing that. Yeah. And so I had to like find an organization that could allow me to be me and allow me to like tell the stories that I wanted to tell. And that organization ended up being 88.9, but um, I, I, I got there because I was in college and I was applying for, because I didn't know what to, what to apply for, mm -hmm. a degree in history. Yeah. And so I was like, well, what do I do? And so I had, a, I had worked at the radio station mm -hmm. and I was like, I could, I applied, I was like, let's work at NPR. Yeah. Like, what a, <laughs> like that's where I want to work. And so... I uh, applied for like every job at NPR and didn't get any of them. And then yeah. I applied for a bunch of jobs at WPR and I didn't get them. And uh, then I had, there's an opening at 88.9. And so I applied for a three month internship and I got that. And then I was just like, I'm not leaving. Yeah, sure. Uh, was that, um, uh, did you do it over the summer or? Yeah, it was, it started as a summer internship and then I was graduated and like, I was like, I'm graduated. I don't have any plans to do yeah. anything. I only want to work here. So you'd have to fucking drag me out of this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they like, it, that was at the time, it was like 2013 and I remember that summer there was like a, a lawsuit from like RCA interns yeah. who had like been doing a thing and they sued RCA and won. And so 88.9 was like concerned that I would sue them for doing the job. And so they like, I remember they came to me and were like, well, we're gonna give you a different title. You're not 
intern anymore. You are yeah. super volunteer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. And uh, it like didn't mean shit to me. Yeah. I was like, I'm still going to do the same things. Mm-hmm. But they like changed my thing because they thought I was going to sue them. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, and it's also kind of my understanding that you kind of like gradually ended up you kind of made your own job at the station, like beyond yeah. your internship. Like, I guess, like, uh, what what went into that? Yeah, I mean, when I was there, when you're like somebody's intern, I was like, because now I run the internship program, and so um, it's stressful for a person that's managing the interns to come up with a task list of what you're doing every day, and then a task list of like things that the interns can do. Yeah. And I remember being like, I remember like Jordan was my boss mm-hmm. and uh, talking to him and he was like visibly stressed out by me being like, and I'm like, you know, gung ho, like, what can I do next? Like, look how fast I finished that task, yeah. you know? And I would just be like, look, like, I, what? tell me what to do now. Tell me what to do now. And I thought that it was like good, but it was like stressing him out because he couldn't like keep up with me not having anything to do and coming up with things for me to do. And so I was like, okay, well, he is stressed out by that, so I don't want to stress Jordan out, so what can I, if I just like look around and figure out what to do. And hey, now we're a media company, you know, like we can, there was just like so much that we weren't doing. So Mm -hmm. I was like, let's do this and do that. And so I just started doing things that people weren't doing. Yeah. And uh, built a job out of that. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so what was, so you became a music director, what year was it? 2015. 2015. It's the youngest music director in the country. Wow. Hey, that's a title. <laughs> yeah. Um, describe your first day on the airwaves. Um, um, the first time that I was on the air at 88.9, I had like done some voice, I, I had like tracked is like you like pre-recorded a show yeah sure for the program director to listen to at the time and um it was terrible (laughs) it was awful and i like i like got into this voice and i like it was like it was like some kind of i was like i don't know i had like a thing and i like couldn't get rid of that like whatever fucking voice I was doing. Yeah. And, uh, um, but that's the thing. is like, when you're in front of a microphone by yourself, it's like, what do you do? Who are you? Because yeah. when you're talking to somebody face to face, it's like you can, you are reacting to their energy and mm-hmm. you are doing like your timing and pacing is like you're given cues. Yeah. But when you're, you're in front of a microphone talking to no one, you don't have any. So yeah. it's like, there's a whole, it's such a different thing talking to no one and just talking in front of, of a microphone. Yeah. Things don't like land. Yeah. That is super true. Like, um, cause, cause the nonverbals play into it. Like people can see how you're conducting yourself, like your mannerisms, like they can, they can observe all of that and that can say a lot about you. Um, right. Like with radio, it's, yeah, it's more about just how you're like, you know, manipulating your voice in order to be an effective storyteller or to be a, you know, a, to properly introduce an idea or, or a song. Um, so yeah, it is like, um, it's different. Like, I mean, a lot of podcasts, for example, are strictly audio, but yeah. I think that I like to do it. I like to film it because I feel like it gives 
having a visual component gives that extra dimension of like how people can like relate to us as human beings, you right. know? So, um, yeah. I, I think that I've been using my own degree in a very like DIY way. Like I don't, you know, I still have a part-time day job, but I, you know, I enjoy it in the meantime. I love doing this and I, um, what was your degree in journalism in journalism? Yeah. Okay. Um, initially, you know, I was going for broadcast, um, around like junior year, senior year, I started going more towards like music journalism and I'm thinking, well, you know, I might as well, you know, make a career out of like something I'm really passionate about, something I enjoy talking about, something that like I get excited about every day. Um, and uh, with Breaking and Entering, that it all gives me that platform to do so. Um, but I also have that sort of broadcasting, um, I, I get to utilize the broadcasting expertise I have too by like, you know, using this and doing this. So. Um, so I feel like, you know, I'm still like, I'm also kind of similar to you, like using my degree, but not in a way a lot of people think about it. Like mm -hmm. I could, a lot of people, when they think journalism, they think, oh, like I'm going to be I'm trying to work for like ch channel 12 or like, yeah, NPR, you right. know, working in hard news and stuff. But, you know, while I'm still, I have like a focus, which is music and, uh, creativity and culture, um, I'm still using the skills that I acquired from studying that, you know, all the same. Mm. So you have, um, your own segment. Uh, it's the five songs that you can't stop listening to. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, how, I guess, uh, where, what were the origins of uh, that? That I started as an intern. Really? Yeah. I was like, um, I knew that, so I was picking up like tasks of like things that people didn't want to do. And then I knew that I wanted to write about music. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to write about music. 889 wants to tell people about music. And I was like, I can't just like write one off about whatever. And so I was like, what would, what would like make sense as like a package deal or like a thing? What would people read? And, and then it was also part of like, I wanted to get a job. So I was like, I want the audience to want me to get a job yeah so i was like let's do this thing that it was initially it was it's five songs we can't stop listening to and it was just five songs that i picked from the week it was just mm -hmm. like picking up like sitting through the internet mm -hmm. and finding the five songs that i really like and then writing about them and putting them up and uh, started doing it and it was really successful a lot of people read it it was like the most read column like because it happened weekly, you know, because it was consistent. And at that time, um, in 89, we weren't doing as much like consistent writing and the website was just kind of scattered here and there. We didn't have a web editor. We didn't really have a digital team. And, uh, and like now we do have all those things, but we didn't then. And so I was like, I'm going to like do a column yeah. every week. And, uh, and so then that's, that's how it started. And then we had, um, and then it went on the air. We yeah. had, uh, Sean Demery was our program director at the time. And he said like, let's put this thing on the air. And that was, it was so much fun to put on the air. And then it was, it was still me picking five songs. And then, uh, we started having guests in, we'd have them do like studio sessions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, wouldn't it be fun if we had these people talk about a song that they can't stop listening yeah. to? And so it, it was like people coming through 
And then when I became music director, I was like, I talked to record labels every day and uh, and projects that they have and communicate like what we're playing. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like, we're playing all these people. And I was like, well, could I do a phone interview with David Byrne? And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's do it. And yeah. so then, then it started like to work on itself. And uh, now it's like, now we have like ten in the bank. Vampire Weekends, the guest next week, oh. and it's like it's just it's just been like building on on itself. And I have like a ton of I have like too many interviews that I even you know can get out. Yeah. So so it's good. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have like any like a uh, personal like favorite guests that you like feel like you really connected with um, like profoundly uh, through doing it? Like any yeah. stand out? Yeah, I, it's like I, I, I like I really enjoy doing it. So a lot of, like a lot of them, I really like, and I do like four or five a week. And I usually like, I, I just like talking to people, mm-hmm. and so that's nice. Um, one of my favorite ones was Moby. Moby oh. picked Moby picked this um, David Bowie song. Okay, and he was like. He's like, um, I've been listening to a lot of David Bowie, and uh, David used to live across the street. <laughs> and he's like, one time, and he told this story about David Bowie coming over to his house, and uh, they played, um, I think it was like Fame or something like that, um, and like David Bowie like played it in his kitchen mm-hmm. on an acoustic guitar, and they like sang it together, and that's <laughs> oh, wow. like why he was listening to it. So I was like. Is a real. That moment. is super dope. It was great. You, um, I think I remember you telling me uh, that um, you had a really uh, interesting experience talking to uh, Connor O'Burst. Yeah, I had a really um, difficult time talking to Connor. Yeah. He um, wasn't. It was the most difficult interview I've had. He wasn't playing game. He was like. Um, he was just difficult. Yeah. But then I talked to him recently and he was fantastic. Oh. So it was like, we, I talked to him and Phoebe together and, um, they were great. It was, mm-hmm. it was wonderful. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So redemption of sorts. Redemption. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you, uh, how do you like kind of, um, handle having like uh, difficult or difficult to read guests? <clears throat> like- um, it's tough because ultimately the job is to talk you know and if you have I like some of the ones are is like i'm not asking the right questions mm-hmm. like it's on me a lot of times or i'm asking i think like a lot of times if the longer i have to think about it and i'll think about like what questions i want to ask and then you imagine what they're going to answer and then i'm like basing an answer a response to an imagined answer or something yeah. like that and uh, that's when it's the worst mm-hmm. because I want to be prepared, you know, yeah. and you want to like have everything ready, but you don't want to be like locked in. And sometimes I'll be like, we're going to go this question, this question, this question. And, uh, um, sometimes people just like aren't super talkative or mm-hmm. will be in front of an audience and they yeah. don't want to say something in front of an audience. And, um, but I love bad interviews. Yeah. I love listening to bad interviews. Yeah. You know, it's like Terry gross is, it's like always just trying to be Terry Gross and I love 
bad Terry doing bad interviews because mm -hmm. you just like learn so much and you hear her handling it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a it's a real skill builder. Um, I like. Yeah, generally, like I don't really have like difficult guests on this show. There's been a couple interviews that I was breaking and entering that like can be kind of challenging. Distract you, you, you were outside uh, the Highbury when I interviewed Holy Pinto so, like, two weeks ago. Right, it was so loud and um, Amen. That was just a difficult setting. Yeah, Amen was just, he, he's seeing all these people that he hasn't seen in a while, and so it was the set. Yeah, like it was just hard to like kind of reel the situation in, um, which just kind of requires a lot of patience but um yeah no I, I experience the same thing where like i'll have like sort of like a mental set of questions i want to ask and then you know it'll end up going completely different than i sort of like prepared myself for it right or they just don't or i'll think i have like a really good question and then i'll ask it but i won't get nearly like the amount of uh receptiveness as I thought I would and it's like shit I gotta regroup right um I get I get a lot of that too um but it does kind of help it, it kind of challenges you in a lot of ways to like sort of just you know keep leading the conversation because like even in that's why I have a lot of respect for like improv comics because yeah. every time they like make a mistake or if they do something that like you know doesn't get a good response from a crowd they just gotta keep going. Mm -hmm. Like, if they if they like stumble, then they just have to keep it moving, or else it's gonna ruin the entire fluidity of their performance. And I feel like the same goes for someone who's conducting an interview. Like, you know, you can't get like hung up on you know one little question. You gotta keep it moving. So. Right. Um, so you do a lot of pre-recorded stuff still, right? Or yeah, all the interviews are recorded. Okay, yeah. sure. So, um, what do you feel like are some like you know key key differences between like um, how, like your comfortability and like when you're doing something that's pre-recorded that you can edit and stuff versus uh, doing something live like on the air? Um, yeah, like being recorded, I almost feel like I've got nothing to lose, yeah. you know. And most of the interviews are recorded because. Um, you know, because they just have to be, you mm -hmm. know, because I don't have like a regular, I mean, it's just like, if I'm doing five songs, I got to find the song. I don't know what song they're, they're talking about. Yeah. So that's recorded, but sometimes we'll do it in front of, it's like if we do a studio session in front of an audience, mm -hmm. that's a whole different thing because yeah. you're in front of like a hundred people and that's a different like audience to manage, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's like you can't really be super personal. Yeah. But, and it's like, and then I'm, you're like aware, you're like, I gotta get a laugh. Yeah. You know, like, I've got to have this audience engaged. You really like feel the momentum of the conversation in a different way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm like so afraid of doing like a nice guy live. Because <laughs> I, I like, I mean, I use, I have a lot of verbal crutches, I have a lot of like, pauses and shit um yeah. but it's something i want to do at some point it's just yeah. it's kind of intimidating the thought of it you sometimes know? i'll listen back and i say like a lot yeah and yeah. i'm like i i just hate it i i do it i think to bring myself down and to be agreeable i don't know what i'm doing mm -hmm. you know but i'll listen back and 
I'll hear myself saying like every three words. Yeah. It, it, it just it drives me insane. Same. I I say like way too much, but um, I've kind of gotten used to it from just watching myself talk for so long that I've kind of accepted it's sort of just part of my yeah. the way I convey yeah. a conversation. Um, how has uh, working with 88.9 uh, changed, uh, specifically with your job, how, how has it changed the way you perceive music? Um... It has changed the way that I perceive music so much. Um, I love music. Mm -hmm. I was in a Shura on the way over, and I was like, man, this is my, it's my favorite thing in the world to like listen to new music and discover new stuff. Um, wow, you like music? I, yeah. I I <laughs> but, so, but, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes I... It's, it's like, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't like. Yeah. And... And a lot of it can become work, you know? I listen to a lot of podcasts because when I'm, like, going home from work, if I'm hearing something, I'm, like, listening to Shura on the way over here, I was like, is this in my top ten albums of the year? It's always what I'm thinking. I wish that I could listen to an album that was released this year yeah. and feel like I don't... I wish that I didn't have to put it in the top ten. Mm -hmm. I wish I didn't have to rank it against other things. Yeah. If it came out in 2018, I feel like I can't listen to it because I should be listening to something that was released in 2019. If it was released in 2019, I'm thinking, should we play it? Should we play it more? Should we not play it? How does this rank? Am I wasting my time? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, there's not enough time. I, I wish that I had more time to listen to everything. But um, I don't. Yeah, same. I and also, it's like, I realize how much I don't know. Going, going into the job, I think I was like, you know, like, I have great taste. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? Like, is it my taste better right. than everyone else's? Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm, I'm the best guy for this job. Right. right. And uh, uh, it's like, I don't know shit. And... Uh, my taste isn't better than anybody else's, and anything that anybody else likes is just as valid as something that I like for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so, why should I play something instead of something else? You know, yeah. I, I, it's just like the more that you know, the more that you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, one of my I also don't have ever enough time to you know listen to just what I want to listen to. Um, a lot of it. Because I'm I'm just so busy all the time, you know, there's not enough hours in the day to, like, catch up on albums that, you know, I have saved or artists I'm trying to get into. Like, this whole past week has been, I haven't had any time to do that. Um, one of my, the, one of the worst things is when you've listened to an artist and you remember, like, it, or it's like, when you're, when you listen to an artist that, and you know that, like, you know, you've definitely, like, listen through this album but you don't remember what it sounded like or mm. you just don't remember anything about it mm. like there's a, there'll be a lot of albums i've listened to like years past that like for some reason i just never returned to and i can't remember if i liked it or not and well i'm like well i remember it's like i listened to it in the first place to see if i liked it or not but now i don't remember so i have to go back yeah <laughs> like there's a lot that because there's just so much consumption constantly, there's so much 
we have to keep up with all the time as like you know people that love music like it's really easy to like you know like for things to just kind of come and go or to have things go through one ear and out the other what's the process of like how you set up interviews with um artists that you have on the show um so i talked like today's thursday thursday's my call day so from nine o'clock in the morning to noon i'm on the phone with uh either with like promotions departments from record labels or independent promo people and so um they're calling me telling me what like projects they have and trying to get us to play them and if and uh, just trying to get me to listen to stuff and letting me know what's out in the world. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so then if we are playing something that that person, it was on that person's like label, yeah. like what was I going for today? Um, it was like Kim Deal. Okay. Kim Deal is on, I'm not sure what subsidiary she's on, but she's on, on Beggar's group. Beggar's group has, is, is like an umbrella group and they have Rough Trade, 4AD, Young Turks, mm -hmm. XL. Sure. And um, that's all Beggars. And so I talked to the person from Beggars and uh, I, you know, say like, can I get an interview with Kim Deal? And she, mm -hmm. or I sent her an email and then she sends it off to the team and then we schedule a thing and then we make it happen. Nice. Yeah. Are you, uh, do you, uh, like, remain on a personal basis with any of the artists you interview? No. Not, like, like, do I call them afterwards? Well, or like, if you just, I mean, like, <laughs> more as, like, yeah, like, if a conversation <laughs> is, like, really good and, like, you follow up with them and are, like, hey, so-and-so, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, it's, like, I, you know, have a bunch of artists' phone numbers, but, like, I can't, it's like, I've interviewed Mac DeMarco a bunch of times. And so it's like, I got Mac DeMarco's phone number. Mm -hmm. But I can't, like, I would never. And, like, we've had great conversations. Like, right. we're, like, we're buds there. Like, there are people that will meet. Like, Craig Finn of the Hold Steady. Like, we're on, like, a first-name basis. Sure. So we'll, he'll come through and, you know, we'll see each other. But I would never be, like... I would never, like, text Mac DeMarco and be like, <laughs> yeah. hey, do you want to do, like, an interview? That sounds like a nightmare. I know that he yeah. does not want that, and I do not want that. Yeah. But but sometimes, it, like, uh, like Winston from Mumford & Sons. We did an interview a couple, like, a month or two ago before they were in Milwaukee. Yeah. And uh, it's like he, and then he went to his record label, and he was like, that was my favorite interview ever. Like, let's, I want to make sure that I meet this guy after the show. And then we met after the show, and it was great, and we chatted, and it was... That's great. Oh, yeah. That yeah. is fantastic. And it's nice. It's like, it was weird. I, w I went to uh, the Bon Iver show, and uh, I, I just, like... I was there, too, yeah. And I just, like, went by myself, and um, it, was, it was like, I was... I wanted to go in the back and see if I knew anybody, because at, like, a show like that, it, it's like the... Everybody that I know is, is like, is part of the show mm -hmm. and so that's like that's where my friends are at and I do like I love when people come through and seeing them and going to the show and meeting up it's yeah great yeah totally um love the snail mail shirt um isn't she 
at Collectivo or has she, or is she playing like tomorrow? Tomorrow, that's what I was gonna say. Yes. Nice. Um, are you wearing it for the occasion or something? No. Um, I mean, she is playing tomorrow. She. I'm gonna miss her because I'm going to Pitchfork. But um, but she's playing Pitchfork Sunday, so I'll see you. Oh, cool. I've seen her before. I went to Toronto to go see the Bucks play the Raptors, and also <laughs> that week, Always and Snail Mail was opening for Always, and I so I went like two days early to go see that. And it was fucking awesome. Oh, dope. Yeah, I saw Always that when they were here at the Paps last year. That was a good show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so do you? Um, so I've noticed that, like, yeah, you travel a lot, like, um, whether it's for a show or uh, I know you went to South by Southwest and you were a panelist. Um, so I imagine, like, work just enables you to do that a lot as much as you do. Yeah. Do you have, like, uh, any favorite cities you like to, like, you know, experience the scene and the music and everything? Or uh, There's, like, a couple cities I go to every year. I go to Philly every year. There's a conference there's a, like a radio conference there there's a radio conference in boulder that i go to every year um uh, and then south by south by is the best i, I love, love south by southwest because south by is like just true music discovery mm-hmm. it, it's like hundreds of bands and yeah. they're playing they're all playing the same audience they're all it's like all the same size mm-hmm. it is just Everyone has an equal chance. You're not like, I really don't like festivals and I go to a lot of festivals, but like a festival show is just like seeing someone at night outdoors. You don't like get any of the vibe. Mm-hmm. It's like I, my ideal location to see a band is Cactus Club. Like Cactus is okay. where I want to see a band. Yeah. Because that is like, like I don't like live music for the sake of live music. There's a, like, I feel like I don't like most shows. I go to, like, most shows that I go to, I'm, like, bored at or mm-hmm. want to leave or don't want to be there. Because a show is fun when, you like, you know all the words. Yeah. That's a fun show. A show is fun when you, like, when you super like the band, um, which I do a lot of times, but a lot of times for music is, like, a super personal thing. And I would rather listen to Snail Mail at home than to, like... Um, Go, but I go to like four shows a week, you know, like mm-hmm. I go to a million. And so, and then like the, an outdoor show as well. You just like lose all the, it's like the bigger the show, the more you lose. So yeah. I'm like, I would rather listen to Snail Mail at home than see her at Pitchfork because I'm going to be, you know, yeah. a million miles away. And unless I, I, like, unless I'm like right there with an artist, it feels like I'm just kind of, I'm on the outside. Yeah, you're just another like, audience member doing? kind of thing. Yeah, like I agree. Dude, I saw Billie Eilish, and I was so close for Billie Eilish, and that was like the best show I saw all year. Really? It was absolutely insane. <laughs> she came out. Billie Eilish came out to like twenty-three thousand fans, and it must have been like fifteen thousand of theirs first show, yeah. and so it was just like so many people just. Beaming, just like full to the brim with like Billie Eilish energy, yeah. you know, like they were there for her and everyone was just like bursting out of their minds. And mm-hmm. then it was like in her like third song, it's like, 
she just like had the microphone. She started on one side and she just said, scream as loud as you can. Yeah. It was like, she just like took the energy from this crowd. Like everyone just wanted to fucking scream. You know, it's Billie Eilish. And so she just like held it out and everyone screamed as loud as they could. I was fucking screaming, wow. you know, like <laughs> yeah. it was, it was amazing. And she was just like, did such a great job as a performer of like taking in this energy from the crowd and then pushing it back and being like, this is a thing that's for us, you know? And it was it was amazing. It was like the best show I saw all year. That is awesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's just exciting yeah. to see kids be excited about music. Mm -hmm. It's like, just to, like, I love anybody that loves anything, you know? And if, like, these kids love Billie Eilish, like, fuck yeah. Like, love Billie Eilish. Love her to death. I remember the bands that I love to death. Like, that is such a special feeling. That's such a, like, a unique experience that, especially, like, at that age, like, exists at that age. Like, mm -hmm. I, like, I love Snail Mail to death. Like, I, I will, like, lay on the ground and listen to Snail Mail. But yeah. there is, like, something super special about, like, being 15 years old and seeing an artist that just is the world to you. Yeah. I, I love seeing that. It, that's, it's, a, it's such a special moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've definitely felt that when um, I saw A.B. Tear at, uh, in St. Paul. Uh, I saw him two months ago, three months ago now, wow. Um, Animal Cluck is my favorite band. Uh, and, uh, you know, listen to them religiously and uh, I went with a buddy um, we drove up from Milwaukee to St. Paul and it just felt like such a personal journey you know yeah yeah, yeah. it just felt That's like the pilgrimage yeah yeah it's like I feel like it's like I feel like I'm seeing like an old friend I haven't seen in like so long but it's it's just it happens to be like my favorite artist and like it was a really great show like you know I met all kinds of people that he means just as much to as me. I got to talk to him and Deacon after the show. Um, and just, it was super like, it was crazy. Cause it's like after, after seeing him live and perform, like after that, he's just, you know, he's just a guy yeah. that I'm talking to. And, um, I think that, uh, that's super, that's what's so transformative about like, seeing live music and then interviewing the artist um, is like how it's so, you know, it's so profound and like grand when they're playing. And then after that, they're just like, you know, they're just somebody to you just, you know, have, you can just have a casual conversation with and be like, and talk to them about anything, you know, it's, it's super dope. Yeah, I got, um, it's Strawberry Jam on LP. It was the first time that I had ever seen it on Wax. We were at this, we at my buddy's record store in um, in Margate in England. Wow. He, we were, I went to go like visit my buddy in London and he has got a, a friend in Margate. And so we went to like Margate, like this little coastal town. Yeah. And uh, we went to like his record store and we were I'm like flipping through like this small collection and they had strawberry jam and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, that's good. That's my favorite of theirs. <laughs> that's amazing. And yeah. I listened to like, that album is just like such a special album for me. It like came out when I was in Madison and I was like living with like the four 
best friends of my life and uh, um, my buddy Rick was a really big Animal Collective fan and Meriwether Post Pavilion came out that year and then we listened to uh, Strawberry Jam and we'd always listen to chores oh, as we like yeah. cleaned and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like Rick's favorite song was Peace Bone and so we we just listened to the album so many times it's just like such a and it, it was also an album that didn't come from me it came mm. from rick you know yeah. so like that i tie that to rick and now rick's he still lives in madison he is, is uh he just got a job as a lawyer this week mm -hmm. and um but that like that's that came to me via rick and this time in my life that that is like a Really special oh, yeah. music too. Reverend Green is my favorite. Reverend Green is great. Yeah, but uh, there's actually a there's a Milwaukee band called Peace Bone. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they're they're still uh, active or not anymore, but um, I thought that was just so cool. I was like, holy shit! Like, you know, someone uh, someone has my taste and yeah. yeah. After one of my favorite fucking songs, but. Um, you said you've how so how many uh, interviews have you done this week? Did. Uh, Oral Peck, Alex Leahy, Preservation Hall Jazz Band. What was this week? I think there was one more. But I think those ones. Preservation Hall Jazz Band was super sick. Really? Because, um, do you know Preservation Hall Jazz Band? I don't. They are, so they started in, there's, uh, Preservation Hall is in New Orleans. And, uh, it, this, like, jazz band started in like the 40s or 50s mm. and it was like carried on by this guy and he passed away and his son has taken it up and they they've released um a couple albums they released one like two weeks ago called tuba cuba and uh they're like a they're a jazz band and they play like new orleans style jazz music and but the dude that started Preservation Hall is from Milwaukee. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. And so That's it was like he cool. was like an art dealer who was born in Milwaukee and then he went down to New Orleans and I didn't know that until talking to this guy and it was just like oh, wow, what a crazy Milwaukee tie-in there. <laughs> yeah, that is super cool. Um, I had a guy on the show uh, recently who works for Koss Headphones. Oh yeah. Didn't know that uh, the stereo headphones were invented uh, by Koss here in Milwaukee too. Isn't that wild? I always rock Koss, uh, Port Pros for Life, my brand. Yeah. And uh, Koss is just like, because I, I love, like, super loyal to Koss because Koss is just on Milwaukee stereo headphones. Yeah. Like, fucking inventor of the headphones. Yeah. yeah. Crazy shit. I still need a fucking pair. Um, they have a lifetime warranty. I know, and, I know. Like, yeah. I have a million pairs of Porter Pros because if something goes wrong, you literally just take them to the factory and they'll give you a new pair for the rest of your life. It's nuts. Well, if you were to uh, give me one, I wouldn't be offended at all. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking on, on this topic of cool things in Milwaukee, so uh, needless to say, there's a lot of really fantastic talent here that uh, requires platforming and, you know, we have a lot of conversations about the musical renaissance that's happening. Um, obviously, we have a lot of great initiatives that have helped Milwaukee's music scene thrive and, you know, get more of a platform and whatnot. So, considering, like, you work for, um, you know, a major 
organization that is a big that takes a big role in Milwaukee music. You know, with the 414 live sessions and everything you play from local music uh, on the airwaves. Like, I guess, like, what do you feel like you want to see more in Milwaukee's scene in order for like you know more you know other cities, other parts of the country to like start noticing our talent and everything. Uh, I just want I just want people to listen. You know, I want people to listen. I want people to go to shows. Um, I had somebody outside of the city talk to me, and he was like, "Y'all do so much to support this artist. Like you, like play their like their music. There's all this press around them." Mm-hmm. And then I went to the show, and there was like seven people there. Yeah, and I was like, "That's we can't." can't make people go to the shows, yeah. you know? And so it's like, we're, I mean, we're trying super hard. Like a lot of the press is like really trying to get people out there. I mean, like part of like our, I really want to be a partner with NPR from the beginning, from when I started, because I love NPR. Yeah. And we became an NPR member station uh, last year, which, which basically just means that like we get to use their resources and we get to like be a partner with them. And so I get to write for like two of their articles every month. Yeah. And, uh, um, and like, because of that, it was like, I wrote about Raina last month mm-hmm. and that was like, I felt like that's at the beginning that, that was like a, a way that I felt like we could get Milwaukee music out to the, the country is to uh, like get this this partnership with NPR mm-hmm. going, so that you know the people outside of the city can hear us. And we're doing like a big. They do like this city scenes thing, yeah. where they focus in on one city and talk about the music scene there and what it's like. And in December, it's going to be Milwaukee, so it's going to be like all over NPR um, talking about the music scene in Milwaukee. So it, it's like. That's to say that we are trying our best to get um, nationwide attention, but that's we try so hard to get people outside of the city to pay attention to the music, and there's like only so much we can do, yeah. you know. And I, it, it's just dependent on other people catching on and other people listening, yeah. and uh, you know, we're just trying our best to get. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I also go to. Um, I try to make it to as many shows as I can. Um, you know, I'd, lately I've been um, haven't been catching quite as many, but you know, I I try to be out at shows a lot, and um, yeah, there there will be some nights at Cactus Club, especially like I mean, I get it, like a lot of like Monday nights are typically there's not a lot of people out, but there will be Monday night shows, and there will be like three people in the crowd, you know, like yeah. Um, you know, I try to, uh, I just try to make it like a priority all the time. You know, yeah. it's imperative for us to be showing up. I think a big part of it is just people need to show up more uh, to yeah. support. Like, and a lot of times, like, I can't blame people. You know, it's like, I was thinking of like my brother, and I have a twin brother, and he doesn't work in music. He doesn't work in press. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't work in the music scene, and um, so he just doesn't go to shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, Every once in a while, like, we'll play something that he will like. But, uh, it's like, I can't blame people for 
having their lives too and not paying attention to what I'm doing all day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that is true too. Um, yeah, I guess when working internally, um, just from what I've seen, I just hope that, you know, people within the music scene themselves like are going to support more, more other fellow emerging artists too. You know, mm -hmm. that can, you can never do that too much. Yeah. So, um, um you talk to a lot of, um, really a high profile artist and whatnot. Um, you still get nervous? Yeah, every single time. I mean, um, yes, especially for like big interviews, but it's more the like setting up and the like just before it happened, but like, yeah, like definitely nervous for every single interview, especially the ones I, I care about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do too. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's always getting started. That's always the hard part. Asking the first question. Yeah. It's usually always like the hardest part. Oh, cause a lot of times it is meeting someone for the very first time yeah. and having to have like an engaging conversation when you have never ever talked to each other or seen each other. Mm -hmm. And, it's just a scary thing to do. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, um, what are uh, some of your goals, um, both personally and professionally, uh, for the rest of 2019? I want to keep on growing as like as an organization at 889. I just want to do better work. We did, like, we released Backspin, and I was, like, super fucking happy with it. And I was like, man, that... I want to do more of that. I want to keep on telling stories about things that are happening or have happened. Um, I'm already like thinking about what podcast we're going to do next. Yeah. I want to do a podcast about Liberace. Interesting. Do you know Liberace? I do. Yeah. So I, I just love Liberace was like became to be one of the biggest artists in the world and is like glitz and glamour and is like the like pinnacle of like opulence you know yeah. and he is like big bright and shiny like he's just vegas yeah. you know but he was yeah. born in west dallas you know oh, wow, wow. he was born and like <laughs> raised in like the dirtiest part of this blue collar city in the mid fifties in a time where like it wasn't okay to be gay. And he is out there just being as flamboyant as humanly possible yeah. and uh, uh, became one of the biggest artists in the world. And I just, I love that the juxtaposition of him being like as fabulous as he was and being from uh, West Alice in Milwaukee. So I want to tell that story next. I think it'd be super fun. Too. Stay tuned for that one. Yeah. Um, you're a good guy to ask for this too. Uh, final question for the sake of time. Uh, um, I've had to slow down on buying records because I just, I'm broke <laughs> most of the time. I'm, I've, I've spent way too much money on records in college. Uh, what are your uh, favorite, what's your go-to record store? Go-to record store, Rushmore Records in Bayview, baby! Oh, man. Rushmore is the shit! I will stand by Rushmore every second of every day. I After this, I'm gonna, I'm meeting up, Dan is closing the shop, and we're gonna go to Chuck Klosterman 
at the back room. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. It's like Rushmore Records in Bayview is the ideal record store. I, I used to go to Exclusive Company in Greenfield when I was in high school, and I was always like, maybe the guys will talk to me. And um, <laughs> they never did. And it was just like, uh, they have, Exclusive has everything, but uh, it was just like a cold bunch of dudes. And then I remember going to Rushmore and Bayview and looking at stuff, and Dan was like, what are, like, just started talking about, I think, like, whatever record was on the shelf. And um, I was like, and we st we talked for like 20 minutes, and I was like, man, this guy is great. This is like what you want. And then I just started going into Rushmore all the time, and me and Dan just like became closer friends. And now, if a week goes by and I haven't been into Rushmore, it's like a serious crisis, and I'm gonna have to like apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, me and Dan hang out on a like a. You know, we ran, we stormed the Bastille earlier this week. Oh, wow. But we, yeah, we're, Dan's <laughs> one of my best friends in the world. I love him to death, and I will stand by Rushmore Records. My Shout out Dan. Fucking soul. Shout, Shout out, out Rushmore Records. <laughs> Shout out Dan to Jim. I, yeah. All right, Justin Barney. Hi. Hi. Uh, great conversation. Um, yeah, how did, how did it feel to be interviewed? It felt great. I love talking. I'm so used to asking questions. It was nice to have questions asked to me. Good. Yeah. I see. I want to be interviewed sometime. <laughs> Waiting for it, you know, eventually. Oh. Um, so, Justin, tell me what keeps you up at night. What keeps me up at night? Work. Thinking about work. Thinking about what I'm doing next. About how to make it better. About how to do a better interview. And um, work. Have you ever, like, have you ever spent the night at 8 at 9, like, slept there? Um... No, okay. no. I think there's a couple times where I was like, we we had some late night ragers where yeah. I was like, maybe I should sleep here, but yeah. I have never, I've never slept there. Sure, I see. What puts you to sleep? Uh, podcasts, uh, like literally puts me to sleep. Yeah, like just how do you fall asleep? You know what? I will put on a podcast uh, for a timer, set a timer for like twenty minutes. Snuggles my cat. <laughs> Mostly. Shout out cats. Cats are great for so that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, tune in to 889 Radio Milwaukee. Always. Um, five songs we can't stop listening to. Um, it's available on the website. So uh, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. See you